Okay, so this week we're going to talk about chapter two of Undisciplined. So I don't know what page it's on on your books. Eleven. Okay. Um, So as we uh, dive in this morning, let's just open with a word of prayer, and then we'll dive into it. Lord, I just thank you so much for this great day. I thank you that we can come together uh, to be so many things for one another, Lord, to support one another, to encourage one another, to grow um, in different areas of our lives. And Father, this is just one area um, in the area of self-control and discipline that we want to be, we want you to come and to change us and make us more like you. And so we just ask that you would be with us today as we discuss these topics. I pray that we would hear the things that you want us to hear, the things that aren't for us. They would just move move to the side. But Lord, we want um, your very best for our lives. And we know the more we give our lives over to you, the more um, you come and, and have your way in us. So we just ask that you would be with us this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so today we're going to talk just a little more about broad stroke of what discipline is and self-control. And then starting next week, we're going to start getting into the specific topics. Where Next week is on uh, controlling your mind and your thoughts. So we're going to get really specific after today. But today I wanted to just, uh, again, talk a little bit more about what it means to live a life of self-control. And um, for those of you that weren't here last week, I was talking about how this study came about because I just, the Lord just kept whispering in my mind about these areas that I was so undisciplined about. I would get to the end of the day and realize I was just tense and frustrated and realized that I had spent the entire day like thinking about the very worst thing, just ruminating over and over and over again. And the Lord was like, why are you so undisciplined with your thoughts? You just let them go wherever they want. And then finances, and then my tongue, I would say something and I'd be like, oh, I wasn't going to say that. Oh, last week. You guys, remember last week I said that I wasn't going to, oh, I have to be quiet. I was going to, because Jeff was wrong about something, and I was going to just let him be right in his wrongness. And you, Katie texted me that night, how you doing? Because I told you, I said, I'm not going to say anything. I know we just had an argument about something this morning, and I know I'm right. And he kept saying, no, that's not how it happened. And I said, so I'm just going to let it go, because this is a way I was going to be disciplined. So do you know that it even, like, he even brought it up again? Because <laughs> I was going to just let it go. And he's like, well, you said that it was this, and it wasn't right. And I'm like, oh, my gosh. And I saw all your faces, because I told you to ask me about it. And so literally, I was like, oh, I don't really remember it that way way and he's like yes it is and then I thought oh I just have to sit here and let it so thanks a lot you guys <laughs> I lost a point because of you um but there are many times that I'll think I'm not going to say that thing I'm not going to be critical I'm going to see those socks on the floor and I'm just not going to be critical about it I'm not going to do that thing and yet I find that in the moment when it comes I just go whatever I'm going to say what I want to say anyway and so the Lord began to challenge me about how much I lacked discipline in so many areas of my life. It was not just one, but it was filtering over into so many other things. And so that's kind of where the study came out of. And I began looking in the Bible. Anytime I find, Lord, I'm struggling in this area, I always go there and start looking up different verses and scriptures and what what is in there. And the very first thing that I saw was that self-control is a fruit of the Spirit. Self-control is what God produces in us when we give our lives over to him. He produces lots of good things. Um, We're going to talk about more about that at the end of of today. But that self-control is one of those things that should be a hallmark of somebody whose life has been given over to Jesus. 
It should be there. You should be loving. You should be kind. You should be gentle. You should have all of those things. And I was surprised, actually, that self-control was on that list because it seems like it's a whole other category. It seems like that is way something totally different than being loving. I can be loving, but you want me to be in disciplined and controlled? So that kind of began my journey on this. And so um, I started thinking a lot about um, my generation and the generations that came before us when it comes to discipline. And I was thinking about... Um, my grandparents, and how disciplined that generation was. How they just, you know, when war came, everybody signed up and went to war, and they went to work every day, and they went to church every day, and they did all of these things, and have had lots of conversations with my grandmothers over the years about, so what was it like when your kids were little, and was it hard? And she kind of looked at me like, well, yeah. I go, did you just sometimes just get so tired? Yes, but we just did it. We just, there wasn't a whole lot of like, didn't seem like there was much complaining <laughs> as much as I would. I can't imagine my grandmother saying to my grandfather, why do I always have to pick up your socks? <laughs> I think she just, she kind of had this role. She kind of just did it. And I think um, that generation, they kind of got up early. They went to work. They did their thing. Everybody kind of had their roles. It seemed like there was a, so much natural discipline in culture in general. Would you agree that like many, many years ago, I was actually laughing. My, my neighbor, um, Brian Apple, some of you know the apples that come here. Um, he knows that I love old stuff. I love anything that is old. And, and so now he finds things on me on online auctions. And so he'll show up at my door and Jeff will go, your dealer's here. Because <laughs> he just, <laughs> and so it was so funny because yesterday I hear a knock and it was Brian and he goes, I found you something on this online auction. Okay, first of all, how cool is this box? Um, so this is an iron from, I don't know when, but the, it's Montgomery Ward. So look at this iron. It weighs about 1,000 pounds. It's so heavy. And he goes, I found this online. I thought you would like it. And he said, you know, what they used to do is they would set this on their stove and let it get really hot. And then they would run over and then iron. And then it would cool off. So then they go over and make it hot again and then go back over. And I was thinking about what I was going to talk about this morning about how our, our, the women who went before us were so disciplined. Because I was thinking like, if I had to do this to iron, okay, I have a, like, iron that hurt, heats up in 30 seconds, and Jeff on Sunday came out with this shirt all wrinkled, and I was like, splash some water on yourself, <laughs> like, try and at least get the wrinkles out. I think, like, my grandmother ironed my grandfather's shirts every single day. I think she ironed their sheets before she folded and put them away. Do any of you iron your sheets? Oh, Lord have mercy. I mean, there was just this, so I was just laughing at, we even have all the conveniences, <laughs> and, and we still are like, it's too hard. So anyway, you can come look at my fun iron if you want. Um, but there was something about a generation before us that seemed to have discipline a little more just a part of the way that everybody lived, right? Um, I think about her a lot when I'm looking at all of the laundry in my house and I start to kind of stomp my feet like, I don't want to do it. I, why do I have to do it? Shouldn't somebody else have to do it? Why do I have, I don't feel like doing that today. Um, I don't want, I just, I just want to sit and read a book today. And, and sometimes when my kids were little, I remember looking at them like, why do you need everything all the time? Like, what's wrong with you? Leave me alone. Um, you know, sometimes I think we just think, I don't want to do that. I don't want to do that. Um, I think... Now, I'm not saying that we need to step back in gender roles and all that kind of stuff and do, you know, step back into where we all are ironing all our husband's sheets. I'm not saying that. But what I do think I'm saying is I think that idea of 
this might not feel good at the moment, but I'm going to do it anyway, has become something that is a little less likely. We are far more to indulge. I don't feel like it, so I'm not going to. Uh, we are far more to think, I kind of should be able to do whatever I want. We are far more open to choices and ideas and, and well, if I don't really feel like it, well, why should I have to? I don't really want to do that. Um, I think that is a really interesting, as I kind of was studying this book, I went back and did a little research. The baby boomers were the generation that I was talking about. So Debbie and Anne, our, our parents, that baby boomer generation that came after the greatest generation, they were the hippies. Right? And they were the ones that went, not Debbie. Debbie would never be a hippie. She's far too responsible for that. <laughs> My mom was a total hippie. <laughs> Her wedding dress was like this short. It was so cute. Um, let me just say something. The what happens, and it happens all the time. Whenever there is a whole lot of restraint put on people, it's very common for the next generation to just throw off restraint. And so what happened as a result for that generation that was just like, this is what you do, you go to work, you go to church, you do all the things, is all of a sudden they went, we do not want any of this anymore. And they just threw off restraint. And all of a sudden you had Woodstock and everybody's just, we're just going to go with what feels good. And that was just, that's a natural reaction to when you feel restraint. You just want to throw it all off. And we see this in all kinds of stuff. And we all do it personally. Um, how many of you have have something that when you were a kid, your parent never let you buy or never let you have. And when you became an adult, every time you go to the grocery store and you throw that thing in your cart, you're kind of like, I can do whatever I want. <laughs> Any of you? Okay. In our house, it's, well, not for me, but for Jeff, white bread and jelly. <laughs> like, because his parents, he's like, my parents always had the bread with the seeds in it and like all of the super whole wheat, whatever. And they never had like grape jelly. It was always jam with big chunks of fruit in it and very Canadian and whatever. And so now if I ever happen to buy white bread and jelly, it's just like, <laughs> I feel that way when I buy candy, even sometimes like I'm a grown up. I can keep M&Ms in my purse if I want. <laughs> I can just do whatever. And I think sometimes restraint or something that you weren't allowed to have, all of a sudden you're like, oh. And you see this when kids go to college, right? If they've had a, a strict environment at home, all of a sudden they get a little freedom and they're just like, throw it all off. I can do whatever I want. I have freedom. I think that is our natural human tendency when we feel restricted to just want to throw everything off and kind of have a free-for-all. Um, do you guys remember Tammy Faye Baker way back? She was, um, they went to school here in Minnesota, went to the same Bible college I did. And remember how much makeup she wore? Like, like just like the crazy? Well, her story was she grew up in a really strict Pentecostal movement where they were not allowed to wear makeup. They had to have their hair long. They had to wear dresses. And once she kind of got away from that, like, her freedom landed flat on her face and <laughs> so much makeup, like, look what I can do now. So I'm just going to do so much of it. So I think sometimes restraint leads to indulgence. We get to the point where we're just like, I'm tired of feeling like I have to do whatever I want to do. And so we get to the point we want to throw that all off and we want to get to the point where well, then I just want to be able to do anything. And I think sometimes we have to recognize that maybe sometimes we need to bring ourselves a little back into the middle. And we're going to talk a little bit about freedom today, about what it means to have freedom in Christ. Does that mean that everything is thrown off and we just are able to indulge in everything? Or uh, does it mean that we need to be so um, 
legalistic and we need to be like, I never eat a brownie ever, ever. I am so disciplined, right? You're all going to get up and leave right now. (laughs) But the truth is the freedom that Jesus offers us isn't this and it isn't this. He doesn't put restraints on us meant to harm us and keep us from having all. He's not out to ruin all our fun. And yet he also says, you can't just indulge every whim you have and think that you're not going to have some troubles. And so this is where our notion of discipline has to be redefined. We have to, I think sometimes we think, I don't want to be disciplined. I want to be able to do whatever I want. I don't like being told no. I don't like being told no. I don't like telling myself no. I like to be able to just indulge. There's something that happens. I showed a video a couple weeks ago in church when we were talking about self-control about um, um, from the show Brain Games, and it was talking about it, it was a, about how people answer their phones, and every time you check your phone, your brain releases dopamine because it's rewarding you because you might find out something new, and that's why it can be addicting because you're thinking, oh, I'm going to look, and it says in the video that it's not even the reward, it's the anticipation of I'm going to get something that I want. I'm going to get something new. Your brains love to reward that kind of behavior. And so no wonder it's hard for us to discipline ourselves because there's something in us that wants to get those happy feelings by doing the thing that maybe we're not sure if we should do or not. And so this is where we have to stop looking at discipline as the straitjacket that will keep us from enjoying our lives And so we react by throwing it to the wayside, shouting for our freedom, when in reality we're simply walking away from one set of chains to another. Because it might seem like true freedom means being able to do whatever you want, whenever you want, but we all know that that is not the case. When people do whatever they want, whenever they want, eventually somebody's going to get hurt. Because we have to have discipline in our lives when it comes to things. If my husband walked out of here today and just said, I'm going to do whatever I want, whenever I want, pretty soon I was gonna, that's going to hurt me. If I walked out of here today and went to the store and said, I don't care if I have a budget, I'm going to do whatever I want, when I want, pretty soon our financial stack of cards would come crashing down. If I don't restrain myself, pretty soon I become selfish. Pretty soon my kids are going to feel the effects. I was watching a Beth Moore thing the other day, and she said she had sent a letter to a relative who was drinking too much. And she said to her, I'm concerned about your children because I'm seeing maybe a problem in your life. And she said, and the response back said, this affects my children very little. And she said, I thought, oh, my goodness, she doesn't even see how her behavior is beginning to affect her children because she is indulging. It's just what I want when I want it. And that is why we have to have discipline. Pretty soon we can wake up and realize that our freedom has left our life in shambles because we have thrown off all restraint. We've been indulging where we shouldn't be indulging. We haven't been disciplined where we need to be disciplined. Second Peter 2.19 says, They promise freedom, but they themselves are slaves to sin and corruption. For you are a slave to whatever controls you. Whatever that thing is that you think, oh, I just can't quite get a handle on that. For me, it's been my weight. For me, it's been my appetite, it's been my time, it's been my mouth, it's been my wallet, it's been so many different things that I think I, I've, tried to, I've tried to overcome this and I can't seem to practice self-control in this issue. You are a slave to whatever controls you. Whatever that thing is, you are a slave to it. And you know, 
the idea that, no, I'm just living in freedom, it's, it's the oldest lie in the book, this misconception we have. And right away in Genesis, you know, the story of Adam and Eve is Adam and Eve are in the garden. Jesus puts them in this, or Jesus, God puts them in this garden and says, okay, Adam and Eve, there are two trees here. One, you can eat, wait, sorry, I'm losing my train of thought. The Lord said to them on Genesis 2.16, The Lord God warned him, You may eat free, eat the fruit of every tree in the garden except for this one tree, the knowledge of good and evil. If you eat its fruit, you are surely going to die. So they had this entire garden available to them. Trees, fruit, everything. Everything was available to them. And God said, There is one thing that I don't want you to do. There's one tree I don't want you to eat from. There's just one restriction that I'm giving you for your own benefit. Because if you eat from this tree, then you're going to understand things you shouldn't understand. This is my one rule. He said, you can freely eat from every tree except. And then what happened? The serpent came to him and said, well, why doesn't God want you to eat from that one tree? He knows that that's like the best one. And if you eat from that one, you're going to be smarter than him. Why would he say that? Why would he just wants to restrict you? Instead of saying, Adam and Eve looking around going, we have been given all of this, just not this. Instead, they went, well, I want the thing I can't have. I want to do that. I don't want to have restraint. So the enemy tries to tell us that following God's plan for our lives will leave us lacking. He likes to say, why would God say to discipline yourself with that? Why? Who cares? It's not a big deal. It's not a big deal. Look at it. You should just be able to do whatever you want. You should be able to say what you want. You should be able to indulge. He likes to convince us that God is out to deny us good things and just ruin our fun. But the Bible reassures us that God's intentions for us are good. Matthew 7, 11 says, If you sinful people know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give good gifts to those who ask him? When we understand the character of God, we see all the trees in the garden that he has said yes to. And the one that he says no to, we trust and say, You're a good father. If that was good for me, you would give it to me. But since you've said no, I'm going to recognize that that must be what is best for me. So when we're talking about this area of discipline, realize that God is challenging you to be disciplined in your life, not to spoil your fun, not to try and impose some tired form of legalism where you can do this and this and this, and that makes you really spiritual. And it's not about him trying to suppress your freedom. It's about him knowing what is best for you and being able to see everything and saying, hey, this thing that you keep indulging in, it is starting to harm you. It's starting to discourage you. It's hurting the people you love. It's affecting you. And I don't want you to be affected by that. So I'm going to tell you not to do something because it's for your best good and it's your benefit. We have to stop making the assumption that discipline will keep us from enjoying our lives. The reality is a disciplined heart and mind and tongue will actually free you to be the person God gave you. When you are self-controlled in the areas that he's told you, all of a sudden it opens up all of the areas that he wants you to have freedom in. So in, in the book I tell this story. And it was a w- quite a while ago, but I had a garage sale. Yay, Charleswood garage sales. I had a garage sale, and it was, you know, it was kind of one of the bigger ones where it was like baby stuff was going. And so um, I had a garage sale, and at the end of it, Jeff said, why don't you just take whatever money 
you make at the garage sale and that can, you just do whatever you want with it. So, you know, we're on a pretty tight budget. And so I was like, oh my gosh, this is great. Like I get to have all the, so I'm, you know, I'm throwing everything out. The kids are like, mom, I still play with that. Don't care. Going, going. Dad says I get all this cash. Forget it. I don't care if you're still playing with it. And so I had this great garage sale. And so when it was done, I had a pretty good stack of change. And so I started thinking about what am I going to do with this money? Now, this is when I was just starting to write. I was just starting to write. And um, so I had this big desktop computer that I would go sit at and write. And I was thinking, you know, it would be really nice if I had a laptop because I could, I could just go and to a coffee shop and write. Like if the kids were playing in the playroom, I could just sit on the floor and like work on stuff while they're playing. Because at this point, I had to just go sit at the big desktop. It was just like that. And so I was thinking, I think I have enough money that I can buy a laptop. So I was super excited about that. And then I was in that season of life where, you know, don't have much discretionary income. You know, there's not like the extra little thing. And inevitably, I would always think, you know, if you're running around with the kids and it's like, I just wish I could just run through McDonald's right now and just get them something. I don't have to mess up the kitchen, and I could just get them a happy meal on the way home, and it's no big deal. But I didn't do that very often because it gets expensive and adds up. Or or I would think, oh, I could just go get a Starbucks right now. like you know. But you have to watch all those things when you're on a tight budget because they add up. So I'm holding like this $1,000 in my hand, and I'm thinking, I could buy a computer. It'd be really good. Like I could start writing. I could. It's gonna change the way I'm able to write, or I could keep this in my wallet as like my blow it money for like forever, and we could have happy meals, <laughs> and I could get Starbucks whenever I wanted it. And now I'm looking back, thinking, well, duh, that seems like a really easy choice. And yet in the moment, I was thinking, how great would it be? I mean, I. I could see it in my mind of just, you know, my pumpkin spice latte. As, and I figured I would probably just drive around with my kids asleep in their car seats for a while. Like, if I had that kind of cash, just like anytime I had a whim that I wanted to do something, anytime I didn't feel like making dinner that night, if I had that little extra stash, well, I have my little extra stash. We'll just go get Chipotle for dinner and I won't have to cook. That freedom felt equally as enticing to me. Totally. Absolutely. And I remember like this tug of war <laughs> and Jeff kept looking at me like, huh? And I'm like, you don't get it <laughs> because you leave here every day. You don't know how hard it is. And I remember thinking that is what it feels like. I can have my splurge money and be able to do whatever I want whenever I want it. Or I can make an investment in something that's really important and actually will, will help me in a lot of things that I'm really trying to do. So as I was thinking about that, I was thinking, that might seem like a no-brainer. Well, of course you're going to pick the better thing for the long run and the long haul. But sometimes we do that. We pick the freedom for that moment. We pick, well, I just want to be able to say what I want to say. Why can't I just say what I want to say? Yeah, you can. You have the freedom to do that. But at what cost? Because there's only so much, right? I only had so much in the envelope. When it was gone, it's gone. And at the end of it, would I look and go, oh, I'm so glad that I chose to buy 75 you know, lattes and some McDonald's? Is that really true freedom? The fact that I could just get whatever I wanted whenever I want? Is that true freedom? Or is the true freedom like I, I can actually do something that God has asked me to do if I use this resource wisely? And I think a lot of that, we look at things thinking it's freedom, and it's actually not, right? We look at choices before us and say, I just want to be able to get the latte. I just want to be able to do whatever I want. 
We think that freedom means simply being able to have whatever we want when we want it. And we think that that's the freedom that we should be striving for. I don't want to discipline myself because I just want to be able to do what I want. It might look like freedom, but it's really just putzing away what God gave you. If you can let go of the instant gratification kind of freedom, God has a freedom to offer you that's far greater than anything we've ever experienced. And it's not talking about legalism. There's some stuff in the book about legalism. That's not what we're talking about here. This is talking about, God, what is your best for me? If he's putting his finger on something in your life where you have not been practicing self-control, it's not because he's trying to spoil your fun. It's because he wants to help you have the very best life that you can. What God offers us is true freedom. 2 Corinthians 3.17 says, For the Lord is the Spirit, and wherever the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. There really, really, really is freedom in Christ when we look to him. So what I want to talk about today is we're going to get into a little practical of what does that look like? How do we step into that freedom? How do we begin to have a life that is disciplined in all these areas? So we're going to talk about Galatians 5, 16 through 26. That's where we're going to start. For those of you homestead people, this is a lot of what we covered over the summer when we talked about the fruit of the Spirit. And it says this, Galatians 5, 16. So I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. The sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the spirit wants. And the spirit gives us desires that are the opposite of what the sinful nature desires. These two forces are constantly fighting each other. So you are not free to carry out your good intentions. But when you are directed by the spirit, you are not under the obligation to the law of Moses. When you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are very clear. Sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and other sins like these. Let me tell you again, as I have before, that anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against these things. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have nailed the passions and desires of their sinful nature to the cross and crucified them there. Since we are living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. Let's not become conceited or provoke one another or be jealous of one another. So what does it mean to live a life in the Spirit? What does that mean? The first thing is we push down our flesh. So Galatians, the first part of that verse again in in Galatians chapter 5 says, So I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. Sinful nature wants to do evil, which is the opposite of what the Spirit wants. And the Spirit gives us desires that are the opposite of what the sinful nature desires. These two forces are constantly fighting each other. So you're not free to carry out your good intentions. Anybody ever had any good intentions that you seem unable to carry out? But when you are directed by the Spirit, you're not under the obligation to the law of Moses. What I love about this passage of Scripture is it gives us two very clear lists. It gives us, hey, if your flesh 
is in control of your life, here are the things you're going to see. Hostility, anger. And, and that list at first, you look at it and go, well, that's a pretty serious sexual idolatry, impure, w- drunken parties. <laughs> like, what in the world? Who are these people? Jealousy, quarreling, hostility. But it's showing when your flesh is controlling your life, you're going to start to see this kind of fruit in your life. When the spirit is controlling your life, love, joy, peace, patience, this kind of fruit is going to show up here. And so when we talked about this at Homestead at the beginning of the summer, we put those two lists on the screen and said, this is a really great barometer. What kind of fruit do you have? Look at your fruit. Is it this kind of fruit or is it this kind of fruit? That will let you know who is winning the battle, like the angel on one shoulder and the little devil on the other shoulder. It says that a life that is controlled by your flesh, by your sinful nature, you're going to start to see this kind of fruit over here. But if your life is controlled by the Spirit, if you've given your life to God and said, God, I want to be more like you, you should see patience. You should see kindness. This is a really good way to take your spiritual temperature and say, what, what's my fruit look like? Is it good fruit or is it bad fruit? And so if you're seeing that fleshly fruit coming up, well, then we need to push down the flesh. What that means is being disciplined means that you don't let your flesh boss you around. You don't let it be in control of who you are and your decisions. You push down that flesh. You fight it. You just say, no, I'm not going to let you just boss me around. Because sometimes we just feel like you're getting through the day and you're like, I just felt like I did whatever I, you know, whatever came into my brain, I just went with it. And at the end of the day, you're like, oh, my goodness, how did I end up here? It's because you just let your flesh go. You just let it do whatever it wanted. Being disciplined means you fight your flesh. You determine, I'm not going to let my mind and my body and my actions lead me down a path that is not God's best for me. 1 Corinthians 9.27 says, I keep my body under control and make it my slave so that I won't lose out after telling the good news to others. That's a great verse. When I was in high school, I had an old NIV version that said, I beat my body <laughs> and make it my slave. It's a very graphic little, little verse there. It doesn't say that anymore in a newer version. But I think it's kind of a good analogy of saying, no, I'm not going to just let my flesh take me down whatever road we want. I remember being in my car one day and just like so frustrated. And I was rehearsing over and over. It was like, It was as if my thoughts just had, it was like a magnet. You've ever had this happen? Like there was a situation that was frustrating me and it was like I would start to try and think about something else and it was like magnet brought me right back to that topic again. And then I'd be like, I don't want to think about that. And then I would start doing something else and all of a sudden like, all of a sudden I'd realize I'm thinking about it again. Magnet back over here. And after about four times I was like, stop it. (laughs) Have you ever said that to your mind? Why are you doing that? Stop it. Stop thinking about that thing. And it was just, I had to push down my flesh and say, you keep dragging me over there. And it was just so quick. I wouldn't even realize that it was dragging me over there. Or all of a sudden, um, I went through a season where I remember just being critical. I was just kind of critical and edgy and cranky. And I remember just, you know, my husband looking at me like, Everything you're saying is just like, (laughs) just so critical of everything. And then I would get up and think, well, I'm not going to be that way today. And all of a sudden, next thing I know, I would see something and be like, well, I for sure have to say that. And that one I can't just let go. And And all of a sudden I would realize, wait a minute, 
My flesh pulled me over there. I was, I was determined that I wasn't going to do it, and yet my flesh kept pulling me over there, and my mouth was taking over. And so there are so many areas where our flesh just likes to creep in. It just likes to come, and we have got to push it down. Don't let it rule over you. I have to just stop and say, no, I'm not going to indulge my flesh. I have to fight that battle. When it starts to pull me over to this side, I have to be engaged enough to say, I'm not going there. I'm not going to think about that all day. I'm not going to say that. I'm not going to behave that way. I'm not a slave. I don't have to buy that thing. You know, um, you sit and you start thinking about, I, I, um, I hate my couch. I hate my couch. really need a new couch kids, all the kids have peed on this couch. I can't even think of how much urine is in this couch right now. I can't even hate my couch. I need to get a new couch. Can't afford a new couch. Hate my life. Hate my life. Why? You know, and, and I keep thinking all day long, here I go again, thinking about, I'm just going to figure out a way to buy that. We have to stop letting our flesh just take us down whatever road it wants to take us. Beat my body make it my slave. I am not going to let the flesh just boss me around. I will fight my tongue. I will fight my mind. I will fight this fatigue that makes me think I'm too tired to fight my flesh. I don't think I have the energy. You do. Don't just let it boss you around. I will not be a slave to my flesh. So we push down our flesh. And then number two, we fill up with the Spirit. We push down our flesh and be filled up with the Spirit. Micah 3.8 in the message version says, But me, I am filled with God's power, filled with God's Spirit of justice and strength. And Acts 1.8 says, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere in Jerusalem, through Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. So this is the one-two punch, okay? It's not enough to just push down our flesh. We have to then fill up with the Spirit. And if I can show you this analogy over and over again, push down your flesh and then fill up with the Spirit. Because you know what? It wasn't enough for me to be in the car and say, I'm going to stop thinking about that thing when my mind kept magneting over. I'm going to keep thinking about that. It's not enough to just say, okay, I'm not going to think about that. You have to fill it with the power of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit not only comes and produces good fruit in us, he gives us the power to fight our flesh. I don't know about you. I don't have the strength just in my human willpower to fight where my flesh wants me to go. If I try and do it just all by myself, inevitably I find myself in the same mess. I can't, I don't have the strength. We're not strong enough to fight our flesh without the power of the Holy Spirit. And so when I was in my car and I felt my flesh keep dragging me over, you know what I had to replace it with? I had to start praying or, or quoting scripture and fill it. So push down the flesh and then fill up with the spirit. And there might be lots of different ways to do that. For me, quoting scripture is one of the best ways that I can do that. Um, sometimes I would give myself an assignment. So I would start driving thinking, oh, no, I know this conflict that I'm going through. I'm going to start thinking about it because I have a 30-minute drive and it's just dead time. And, like, do you all have your places where your mind tends to start thinking about it, like the shower or doing dishes or anytime when it's like a mindless activity. I started giving myself an assignment. I would say, okay, for this 20-minute drive, I'm going to pray for each one of my kids specifically. 
and I would just start. And I gave my mind an assignment, and I would pray, and I would say, okay, Lord, I'm praying for this today for one of my kids. I'm praying this. Or I would just start quoting scripture. That's why it's so important to, to keep scripture from memory. And sometimes I'd pull it out and just read it, but, like, when you're driving, it's really good to be able to go, I remember all these scriptures. I'm just, God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of sound mind. Filling up with the spirit. So we push down our flesh and we fill up with the spirit. And when we do that, the Holy Spirit in us gives us the power to conquer that flesh and to to just say, yeah, you're not going to take me wherever you want to go. It gives us that power to be able to overcome the flesh. And in that moment, he fights for you. The Holy Spirit in you fights that battle for you. When we submit our will to him, he gives us the power and the strength to fight that thing. We can't just do it on our own. So we push down our flesh, and then we fill up with the Spirit. And then we grow good fruit. When we allow the Holy Spirit to come into our lives, it says in that scripture, the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. He builds it in us. He produces the fruit. We don't willpower self-control. We don't willpower love. As we give our lives over to Christ, he begins to produce this kind of fruit in us. And so when we look at that and say, okay, Lord, if I find myself far more on list two over here of the things of the flesh than list one, I have a spiritual problem, and I need you to help me with a spiritual solution. I need more of God in my life. And when I have more of you, I believe that you will begin to produce this kind of fruit in my life. If I have more of Jesus, then he's going to make me a more loving person. If I have more of Jesus, he's going to make me a more patient person. And the true nature of the fruit of the Spirit means when you let the Holy Spirit In your life, when you say, God, I want more of you, I am surrendering my life to you, he will produce more self-control in you. You will start to see that fruit more evident. So the reverse is also true. If you're not loving, you need more of the Spirit. If you're not patient, you need more of the Spirit. And if you are not showing self-control, you need more of the Spirit. This is how we can look at that gauge, Luke 60, uh, the gauge of our spiritual health. Luke 6.44 says, a tree is identified by its fruit. So it's really easy to look at your life and say, what kind of fruit am I showing? Is it good fruit or is it not good fruit? And if that's the case, then we have to say, okay, Lord, I need you to help me. Um, it's really easy to explain away bad fruit. It's easy to go, well, I'm just tired, or I'm Irish, or I'm <laughs> my kids are annoying, or my husband's annoying, or whatever it is. It's, just, it's easy to explain away bad fruit, or I am in control of it. I can stop anytime I want. And yet the truth is, if we are consistently demonstrating bad fruit, we have a problem. We have a problem. And there are so many times in my life that I've had to just be really honest and say, my fruit stinks right now. My patience level is nil. I am not being kind. I'm irritable. I'm cranky. I'm selfish. I'm thinking about um, every time my husband leaves, I think, well, now you owe me another hour because you went golfing. and You know, all of those things. Sometimes my fruit stinks. And that is a sign that I am letting my flesh win and not the spirit. And I just have to come back to, okay, Lord, push down my flesh, I fill up with the Spirit, make me more like you so that I see this kind of good fruit in my life. So how is your fruit today? 
that's a really easy question to ask and to look at your spiritual health. What does my fruit look like? Is it much more fruit of the spirit or is it the fruit of the flesh? So we need more of Jesus. We need more of him. How do we do that? We memorize scripture. We pray. We spend time reading the Bible and learning more about God. And for me, more than anything else, it is just an act of surrender of God. I need you. I need you. I think I say that more than ever before. I saw um, Bob Goff. He's a great author. He says, I've just learned to start my day with just my hands out. I just put them up like this, just open, and just say, God, I need more. I just need more. I, don't, I can't handle the things that are coming my way. I seem to make a mess out of everything. I just put my hands up and just say, I give you everything and I receive everything you have for me. So maybe you just need to start saying, okay, my fruit is not good. So I am just going to put my hands out and say, God, I need more of you. I give you all these things that I've been trying to control on my own. And I need you to come and fill me with more of you and produce good fruit in my life. We need more of Jesus. We are not strong enough to fight our flesh on our own. And so this is really important as we dive into specific topics starting next week that you recognize, okay, what is the spiritual aspect of self-control that I'm missing in this? God, I need more of you. Help me to push down my flesh and fill up with the spirit. So let's pray and then we'll go into a little discussion time. Lord, I thank you so much that we don't have to fight alone. Sometimes it can get uh, really daunting when we start to look at areas in our lives that feel out of control. And, and maybe we have tried to overcome those things on our own. We've tried to be disciplined and yet just keep stumbling and tripping over the same thing. We've tried to stop a behavior and we keep tripping over it again. Or we've tried to to be purposeful and do something, and yet we get to the end of the day and go, I never got to it. I didn't do it again. I failed again. And you accumulate enough of those, Lord, and it can become really discouraging. And so I just thank you so much that your word says that the Holy Spirit will produce the fruit of self-control in us. So, Lord, we just arms open, hands open, say we need your help. We don't have the strength to fight our flesh. We feel it pulling us. We feel that, that pull to think about the worst thing or to, to be critical or to um, let our flesh just boss us around. Lord, we feel that pull to indulge. We hear that enemy whispering, you shouldn't have to give that up. We hear the enemy saying, why should you have to be the one to give that up? It's okay. It's not hurting anybody. And yet we know, we know that true freedom comes in doing whatever you tell us to do. And so if today you are saying, hey, this thing, I want you to get control over it. We can trust that you are a good father and that there's a reason that you are telling us to get this under control. And so we ask, we need your help. Help us to be obedient in whatever that thing is today. And we ask for your help. Jesus, we need you. So show us how to do that this week, Lord. May we be reminded that the Holy Spirit produces good fruit in us. Thank you so much for that. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Okay. So here's your little doing discipline assignment. So every week there's a little assignment for you to take home. So this week we are to push down our flesh, fill up with the Spirit, and grow good fruit in our lives. This week your doing discipline challenge is to put down your flesh, 
by catching yourself in a moment where your bad fruit is showing. I'm sure none of you will have one of those moments. You can all have mine. I'll share mine. Perhaps you are being unloving. Perhaps you're not showing patience. You're not being kind. You're struggling with unpeaceful thoughts. Whatever it is, catch yourself in those moments where you're having a moment where your flesh is bossing you around. Stop yourself. Push down your flesh and pray for the Holy Spirit to fill you up with his good fruit. So in that moment, push that down. Fill up with the Spirit. Practice this exercise daily and take note of how you feel and behave once you fill yourself up in the Spirit instead of letting the flesh have its way. So that is your assignment. Do you think you can catch yourself? <laughs> You're all like, oh, no, I don't know. Maybe you all need another donut or another cup of coffee. <laughs> I'm feeling you. Second week in a school is, is brutal. So we have a few more minutes um, for you to have some discussion time at your table. So um, there are group discussion questions at the back. Um, Anne's going to lead over here. Um, um, Jen, why don't you lead discussion over here? Um, you can go through and feel free to share if you want. If you don't want to share, that's totally fine too. And then let's take the last 10 minutes and maybe see if anybody has any prayer requests at your table. And then you can pray um, before we are done at 1130. All right, we'll see you next week.